0: Trademarks owned by Becklass AB to CV twenty twenty four, Proximo, Jersey City,
1: New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
2: The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
3: <laughs> John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next.
1: Big job there, from Duffy and Ramirez. Now I'm going to go. out cold. does it again. Rock him, sock him, robots here. Oh my goodness, I can't
4: believe. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists.
2: Here are your hosts. John Anik,
0: and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it great to be back with you. We are on a new platform today. I think they call it StreamYard in Boston. It's Monday, February 5th. February 15th, I should say. 2021, episode 288 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Starring three-time UFC title challenger, multi-stripe brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt kenny florian good morning sir nice flowers behind you huh happy valentine's
1: day show my feminine side over here yeah exactly uh i am well man it's great to see you uh great card this weekend Uh, i'm excited to talk about it
0: so whose flowers are those before we uh
1: before we get to headlines you
0: sound like you're in a little bit of a
1: rush today i (laughs) i believe these are clarks these these are not for me this is this is from her dad so okay
0: Yeah. So we had so much to get to, and uh, and UFC 258 delivered in a big way. Only 10 fights as it stood after losing one on fight day. We got 15 coming up on Saturday night, so a lot to get to today. Uh, we'll be joined by UFC welterweight contender Bilal Muhammad in about 40 minutes or so, uh, and Ray Longo coming up in 10 minutes or whenever he gets impatient via text message. Or uh, We'll see. I don't, I don't know if it's snowing. We might not even have Ray today. But uh, let us get to headlines, and let us get to a guy who... I don't know, probably sealed up the UFC Hall of Fame jacket over the weekend, Ken Flo. The now three-time defending UFC welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman, uh, disposes of Gilbert Burns there in round three. And uh, just a great performance, and it really had it all. You know, as you said on your YouTube channel, it had a momentum swing early. But uh, Gilbert Burns, to his word, says he got overexcited. Not to take away from Kamaru Usman, but that's the way Doreenio's thought. How did you see it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think he did get a little bit emotional, but he got emotional because Kamar Usman started getting back into the fight, and uh, Kamar Usman was not going away. Uh, there were times where Gilbert was landing some great shots. Um, he was utilizing uh, way more versatility, and I think that once he started catching him with his hands and hurting him with his hands, he kind of decided to make it a boxing fight, and that's where he allowed Kamara Usman back into the fight, and You know, a lot of people were saying, you know, you got to credit Trevor Whitman here. And absolutely, uh, you know, he was telling him to use the jab. uh, And Kamaru certainly did that. Um, The other thing is, you know, physically, he just looked way larger uh, than Gilbert. And he utilized that, what, six-inch reach advantage? Well, maybe maybe, four or five-inch reach advantage that he had, uh, which was brilliant. Utilizing that jab, it prevented Gilbert from coming in uh, and was really frustrating him and hurting Gilbert. you know, I think it pretty much comes down to Kamaru made the adjustments and Gilbert didn't.
0: Right. So in terms of the jab as a singular weapon, and I got to love the MMA fan base hearkening back to Ken Flo against Takanori Gomi, I think, in 2010. Goddamn piston coming out of the Dover, Massachusetts native. But, Ken Flo, you prided yourself on having a good jab. So uh, what can you tell us further, I guess, on Kamaru Usman's use of the jab as really like a fight-ending weapon in this
1: fight? Right. You know, um, you could use a knife. You could use a sword. Uh, you know, or you can use kind of like a, a jabbing device, one of the, what I can't even think of the thing. The damn thing, like a, like a long spike, and that's what he was doing, uh, almost like a lance, to keep Gilbert on the outside. Yeah. Every time Gilbert was looking to try to get on the inside, he was running into that jab of Kamar Usman, so it prevented the offense from Gilbert. Burns to materialize and it also set up the offense from Kamar Usman as well. So I think that for Gilbert, he didn't understand how to get off the center line. He didn't understand that he should probably utilize uh, his longer range weapon, which was his kicks. He was using it great early on, uh, but Kamar Usman was also coming forward and, and utilizing that job great offensively. So both on the offensive and defensive side, uh Kamar Usman was doing a great job of just keeping Gilbert off balance and backing him up and you know Gilbert's great when he comes forward but he's not great moving backwards and he's not a great counter striker at this point uh, in his career so I think that it kind of exposed Gilbert a little bit in that regard and, and obviously he's made such great progress with his striking but you know being being a competent and dangerous counter striker takes way more time and I think Kamar Usman and Trevor Whitman did a great job of backing him up uh, and making him a more defensive fighter
0: there are a lot of things we can talk about when it comes to Kamara usman's greatness and we'll try to do it in an efficient manner but it's 13 to 0 in the ufc no welterweight has done that he breaks george st pierre's record for the longest welterweight winning streak in ufc history and he does it in his third championship defense so uh it stands to reason that uh that despite the fact that he has more title defenses to get to george st pierre and get to double digits uh right this is a a big, big deal and it shouldn't be understated, but the mental fortitude, the locker room bump, you know, when we're showing Kamar Usman in the locker room right before the main event, I said, he has a lot of qualities of these special professional athletes and he really does invoke Michael Jordan and LeBron James for me. Some of these guys who Kobe Bryant, especially, they just have this next level mentally, this undeniable motivation, this ability to channel anything uh, into motivation. And, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how you can quantify it in a mixed martial arts setting, but he's been saying repeatedly that he's like the best at this mental stuff and uh, certainly appears to be. Absolutely. That
1: uh FU energy, right? Uh, it's kind of right. like <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he was facing a guy who he was friends with. He was facing a training partner. He was facing a guy who had helped him prepare for many fights. Um, that stuff can get to you. I thought it was um not a good sign uh, in a lot of ways for Gilbert uh, and I thought it was a great sign for Kamaru Usman when they went to the center of the octagon and they went to shake hands except Kamaru Usman was not there to shake hands okay. he was there to fight and I think that said a, a lot for me to start that fight I said this guy's here to destroy. He's not here to make friends. He's not here to rekindle this relationship here well, with Robert right. Burns, right? And you see it after the fight. It's like he was almost pissed that he had to beat him up, and he was like, "This is this is what I do." And anyone who comes in here, I'm going to not beat. I'm going to try to destroy you, right? And Kamaro ain't trying to rekindle the
0: friendship. Right, He's probably going to have to fight him again, and those are Kamaru's right. words, not mine. He acknowledged as much on social media, but that was my biggest takeaway, at least as far as the friendship and the relationship was concerned, that this was pre-fight, that Gilbert was going to be more than willing to bury the hatchet quickly, and Kamaru was sort of saying, I guess he was more of an acquaintance than a friend. I mean, Kamaru right. Usman is a cold-blooded assassin, Ken Flo. I mean, I, I don't know how to properly put it into words. Maybe it's fatigue for me, but dude, like, he is a real problem, and I, I I, don't even know that he was all that hurt early on in this fight, if I'm being honest, Kenny. He he posted twice, you know? Like, it, it caught him in a good location, And but, man, I mean, the chin, obviously, against Colby Covington was tested in a big way. I'm just, I'm blown away by Kamaru Usman. Like, I'm getting anxious again just talking about him today.
1: <laughs> the UFC stands for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, not the Ultimate Friend Championship. <laughs> and,
3: uh, you yeah, know, for yeah. Kamara
1: Usman, he's like, uh, You know, is it going to be me or you? And you better believe it's always going to be you with Kamara Usman. He's there to beat you up, and he's got this chip on his shoulder, which I think is really propelling him to new heights. I mean, you know, I I think a lot about Habib Nurmagomedov and what he did over the course of his career. And of course, he's undefeated inside and outside of the UFC. But you know, when when you're talking about what your second fight in the UFC, which, you know, Anderson Silva had experienced that early on, Jose Aldo had experienced it early on, and then went on to these insane win streaks. Um, I think you can pretty much erase that second loss for Kamaru Usman as he was really just learning the game. But to think about what he's doing in the UFC with his wrestling and now with his striking, it's extremely impressive. He has that killer mindset. This is a guy who's going to be very difficult to beat. Um, I don't think you're going to be taking uh, his belt easily if it does happen. Um, And this is a a guy who we've seen the maturity of Kamar Usman, and we've seen him come into his own, and he is certainly doing that and uh, just beasting it out there. And seemed like for him it was more of an emotional challenge to fight
0: someone like Gilbert Burns than to fight somebody that he had real venom for in Colby right. Covington. Ken Flo is one of the nicest guys in MMA, so I don't know that there's anyone that you ever hated, but I would mm-hmm. sort of turn it on you and say, would you rather fight a guy that you hated or fight Ryan Hall? And I think you'd probably rather fight a guy that you couldn't stand than have to fight a, a right. teammate,
1: right? No, for sure. I, I think so. You know, listen, I, you know, I, I think about my, my first fight, my first official fight in the UFC against Diego Sanchez, a guy that I had trained with a lot. And, right. you know, I, I learned to like. And I think that uh, that that's always a difficult thing, especially, you know, early on in my career. I, I think, you know, that was a, a moment that I really learned a lot from. There are no friends out there and there's certainly no friends Once you get into the octagon and you never know who you're going to face. So some guy who's trying to be buddy, buddy with you in your weight class or just outside of your weight class, be very careful. If you're a pro fighter, be very careful.
0: Right. All right. Poll question for today's Anak and Florian podcast. Over ten thousand votes came in, and we appreciate all the back and forth. And again, when we do these poll questions, folks, I love you, but they only give you four slots. So we're doing the best we can. We always try to qualify it in the actual question that says, "If if your choice is not here, kindly leave it below." Uh, a lot of angry people out there. Uh, if you had to pick one active welterweight to beat Kamaru Usman to save a hamster's life, who has the best chance to do it? So. Top five choices, essentially, were Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, Gilbert Burns, four guys that Kamar Usman has fought, by the way, and the one guy he hasn't fought, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So I can certainly understand the appeal for Wonderboy as the lone guy that he hasn't fought and ubiquitously regarded as a top five UFC striker of all time. But 52.7% of us believe that if they had to try to save this animal's life, they're sending Colby Covington in there. And uh 52.7% 52.7% for Covington, 18.6% Leon Edwards, 18% for Jorge Masvidal and 10.8% for Gilbert Dorino Burns. Wonderboy was not a part of the vote. I am sorry. So, Colby Covington, right? Competitive fight at UFC 245 back in 2019. Ken Flo, your hamster is in its cage. Its life is on the line. Who are you sending in there against tomorrow?
1: <laughs> right. Um, Listen, I, I think that Kobe Covington uh, is probably a few, a, a couple adjustments away from winning that fight. He definitely could have done that. He has the wrestling background to essentially force Covington into a striking battle, um, uh, and, and I feel like, um, you know, for did I say Covington into a striking battle to force Usman into a striking battle, and I feel like, uh, you know, he could have done a lot better striking wise and could have made some better decisions out there against Usman, um, but. You know, I kind of do like that outlier choice in in Steven Wonderboy Thompson. I don't think he has the – here's the problem. I don't think he has the wrestling uh, necessarily to stop Usman if he's able to get to a clinch. I think it would potentially end quickly. Um, But on the feet, I think he's one of the few guys who could actually knock out Usman. Uh, He also has the footwork to move around the octagon to frustrate Usman. So um, it's between those two guys. I didn't give you one straight answer, but – Right. It's hard. It's hard because
0: you know, in the past, I'll say to save a dog's life, you know, but like you also can invoke the betting line here, right? Because I can assuredly tell you that a betting line between Usman and Covington right now is going to be closer than a betting right. line between Usman and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So yes. all of a sudden, when, when dogs lives are on the line, right. It's like, man, I got to send in the guy who I absolutely think has the best chance to beat this guy. And uh, right. I'm not going to give you an answer necessarily. Cause I'm calling the fight, but I can understand why based on the film, Colby Covington landed a ton of
1: fights that would have put lesser weights
0: away in that fight against Khabib. Which
1: is which is why I think your question is important, right? It's like there's there's a life on the line here, be it a hamster that's or a right. dog. That's right. <laughs> but it's true. Like if you have to make a choice, you need to be able to shut down Usman's wrestling, right? Because right. if he takes you down, you're done. Now that was that's why I thought Gilbert had a good chance because, and you saw that. He didn't want to go to the ground with, with Gilbert, not, not on Gilbert's terms. Anyway, he stayed. And this was so smart from Kamar Usman. He was staying on the outside, kind of grabbing the rights and just kicking him. but in no way, shape or form, did he engage in any connection for a, grap- a grappling. decided to kind of pounce on him, but, um, yeah, I think it it's got to be a guy who can stop the wrestling and Colby Covington is that guy, John.
0: Division is absolutely fascinating. Leon Edwards is going to get a big fight here and hopefully for his sake he gets it on March 13th. That fight has appeal for people I think and me especially because their first meeting happened so long ago. It was Kamar Usman's second UFC fight right. and Leon Edwards has not lost a fight since. Uh, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal with a full training camp obviously is appetizing for a lot of people. I can understand that. And I do believe Gamebred, uh, you know, with some better circumstances, uh, could give Kamar Usman a more competitive fight. And then I think Gilbert Burns having made some of the adjustments that, uh, that you've talked about welterweight divisions in a great form right now. Another question can flow and we have to get to Ray Longo here, but does Kamar Usman have this double champ appetite that everybody else has right now? Mm-hmm. Because this is the era of the simultaneous champion. And, uh, I don't think he's going to fight his fellow Nigerian Israel Adesanya necessarily. Right. right? And that's. Well, problem well, right, the, now, but-
1: right. Well, here's the thing. I, I was just about to bring that up. You know, I, I think he has uh, immense respect for Israel Adesanya. And of course, given their background, Nigerian background, I, I think they, they love the idea of them kind of dominating their respective weight classes. However, you know, given the circumstances around Gilbert Burns, you know, maybe Kamara was that guy who was like, yeah it's cool but i will fight you if it means a lot of money's on the line and it means you know having one of the best legacies in ufc history uh, yeah. and i'm sure i would say probably the same for israel adesanya now you know, that that remains to be seen um i, I think that is uh interesting uh it, it could happen in the future but um yeah i mean there's just so many great fights out there and as both of these guys essentially get to the end of, of their um, feeding cycles with both right. of them yeah, that's kind of destroying to everybody yeah. in, their, in their division, maybe we
0: do see it. Who knows? See, I think welterweight is just the perfect weight class for Kamaru, right? I mean, yes, he did win a Division two national champion at 174 pounds, and the weight cut is hard, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his mental fortitude makes it probably easier than it would be for most. But I don't think he wants to fight his good friend Israel Adesanya. I really right. don't. I believe right. that – the Masvidal fight has obvious appeal monetarily and otherwise. But I believe that part of the reason you don't hear him call, calling out the middleweight champion is because he doesn't like to sort of, you know, cross that line the way he was forced to do so against Gilbert Burns. And I feel like if, uh, you know, somebody else was middleweight champion right now, that might have been his uh, his focus after this win. Absolutely. And, and
1: everyone's different. Right. I mean, if you think about, you know, long term legacy and all that stuff. You know, you stay within your weight class. If you are kicking ass in that weight class and you can end your career there, why not? You know, maybe at the very end after you've, you know, absolutely cleaned out the division and, you know, you you, you maybe have lost a little bit of motivation and there's one other challenge out there and you say, I can maybe end my career being a double champ, then maybe.
2: Yeah.
1: Class uh, and destroying everyone in his path. All right, well, uh, Ray
0: Longo, we delayed him about four minutes, so we'll see uh, the extent to which he is bothered. Let's get to the
3: Ray Longo minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo minute.
1: John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast.
2: The
0: great Raymond Peter Longo now joins us live from Garden City, New York. That is not a "Make America Great Again" hat. It is a St. John's University hat signed by
3: Lou Carnesecca. How about it, Ray? Guy is an icon at St. John's. Yeah, but what a what a guy! Still going strong. He is 95 years old. Unbelievable guy. Another guy who loves what he does or did, and he still has a passion for basketball. And in your 90s, when you have a passion for anything, I say, I say that's a home run, Kenny, but I want to say a big thank you to uh, my good friend. He's the assistant AD over there, Nick Vendicos. So uh, a great guy, student, good, just a good guy, man. But thank you very much, buddy. I but just there love. Is. What, are you, what are you smirking about? Now?
0: I just love hearing you say names of all <laughs> kinds. I mean, we're bringing back the pronunciation of the week, and it's going to be you. We're going to give you yeah. a UFC fighter's name on a piece of paper, and you're going to try to say it. He sounds so good. Yeah, this he's an friend. Italian. I, prob- I probably pronounced
3: his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Part of the reason why we went to you back in 2015 before episode one uh, and asked you to be the coach that we would feature weekly on our podcast almost six years ago, it's crazy, is because of that voice, man. I mean, I could listen to your voice all day long it should be my voicemail. Like, hi, you've reached John Anik. This is Ray Longo, though. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I'm serious. It's true. I, it's I mean, fun. I didn't butter him up on the show enough last week, so we're going to start there this week. Let's do it. What do we got, man? Oh, and- well, we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff. Your boy's still hashtagging everything Carolina Chris, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, Kamar Usman and Gilbert Burns. You know, thrill versus agony. We talked a lot about Kamar Usman, but I wanted to start with you on Gilbert Burns because he put in the training camp of a lifetime and his emotions are just pouring out after the fight because I think in his mind, he did get overexcited in his mind. He compared him himself to Cody Garbrandt, just getting a little bit overzealous, but I think he knows the hard work it's going to take to not only get back to that fight but to figure out the recipe to beat this guy at welter bait, wait because he's probably not making 55. So I I just think it was hard for Gilbert Burns to realize, like, man, it's going to take
3: a lot of work to, to get back to this point in time. Uh, man, I got a different take on that. I agree with you, though, for sure. What you said is 100% true. But I just think it was the emotion of fighting a guy that was your friend and you're put in a position to do something that under probably any other circumstance you wouldn't do, you know, but you have no choice. You want to be the champion. Your best friend is the champion. you trained together for years. I do that. That stuff is rough, man. I can tell you as a coach and I, my heart goes out to Henry because, you know, look at what happened. One guy left the gym, whether he was going to leave or he wasn't going to leave. I I, do that that's tough, man. And you know, Henry didn't even work the corner, you know what I mean? So that's, right. He's telling you, man, I want, you know, made a best band win. He did the right thing. I believe. Yeah. But But if he
0: was a chief strategist type of coach, Henry probably would have worked the corner, but maybe not. I don't, I I hear what you're saying and I don't need to spin it to Kenny and necessarily ask you, Kenny, what do you think the emotion was all about? But my read on the situation, Kenny, uh, is that Gilbert Burns wants to be a UFC champion as bad as anybody that I've ever seen. And, uh, And I just, I think this is just going to be really a a hard couple of weeks for him because of that more than anything else.
1: Absolutely. You know, and, and I think, listen, experience matters and, you know, what people don't really talk about is all the extra interviews and all the extra media and all the extra attention that is on you when you're, you know, okay, main event's one thing when you're fighting for the world championship belt, it's a whole different level. And it's super important that you keep your perspective and understand that. Is it a big fight? Sure. Uh, is it just another fight though? Yes. Uh, and, you know, don't, don't get it twisted and almost don't let other people's perspectives and questions get to you. You've got to stay focused on the task at hand uh, and, and just be focused on what's in front of you. And that sounds so easy to do, but when people are asking all these questions and giving all these other angles and uh, what do you think about this? And are you nervous? And how did you prepare for this? And you, you, you kind of, you, you can overcomplicate things, especially for guys who like to think a lot. So, um, and again, being in that situation for the first time, not everybody responds well. Uh, and I think he got overly excited too, because he did have his moments in that first round. I thought he won that first round. He was hurting Camaro. And then once Camaro started coming back and maybe he started getting a little frustrated and tired, I, I think that affected things as well. Uh,
3: yeah. And let me just say, like, I put out a, a tweet that night that said, uh, don't ever mistake Jim sparring for fighting. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. Look, I, I always go to the mental side of things, John, like even look, so uh, the other guy leaves the gym, maybe he's got friends in the gym. They don't want to work for Gilbert. There's a mental toll that's taken somewhere. It's not just clean. Everybody goes back acting like it's normal. Let's get this right. guy ready. You got friendships. Some guys take that shit real serious. There's loyalty involved. Who the hell knows how that affected thing? But yeah. you know, in the fight, I mean, I think simplicity and fight IQ was the key. And As far as what happened in the gym, I think the first inclination when Gilbert was on his back and that Camaro didn't want to follow him down, Kenny, was a sign that he probably got submitted in sparring. Right, exactly. You know, and Gilbert's, you know, throws like a maniac. You know what I mean? So when he had him hurt, then he was willing to go down. So he was patient. Simplicity was the key to me. And again, Trevor Whitman did a great job. People could say, oh, what? So what? He told him to throw the jab? No, that's what a coach is there for because... Look at the difference. They both got hit with the same right hand. Look how Camaro responded. He regrouped. Right. He went back to the jab. When you see Gilbert Burns get hit with that same right hand, and they, they buckled kind of the same exact way. You see Gilbert get hit. Yeah. He, you see a look of frenzy in his face. There yeah. was a total difference of demeanor on how they handled when they hit adversity. And to me, that was the difference in the fight. You know what I mean? Unequivocally. 100%. Hats off to Trevor Whitman. He goes back to the jab. The guy had a great jab, knocked him down with the jab, Mm -hmm. right jab and a a left jab, switching leads. So you got to keep it simple. I thought Camaro showed. That's why he's a champion. He found a way to win after adversity. That's what champions do, right? Gilbert got hit. He never recovered. He looked like a a deer in headlights, really. I'm not taking nothing away. I'm just saying what what happened. Right. Frantic is he's just throwing shit where the other guy got hurt. He goes, all right, I'm calm. Let me get back in this fight. I'm not going to overextend myself. I'm going to keep it basic. You know, I've been there. And, you know, and I think that to me was the difference in the fight.
0: And in terms of what you were saying about them grappling and training, Ray, direct quote to us from Gilbert Burns in our fighter meeting, Kamara knows I can submit him from every angle. And when Gilbert Burns says that to you, Uh, you just don't take it as anything but the truth. So uh, Kamar Usman, probably wise not to engage him on the ground. So you cornered Matt Serra more than once against George St. Pierre, who is ubiquitously regarded as the greatest UFC welterweight in history. And I don't know if I'm asking you to put what Kamar's done into context, but this is a really special fighter, Ray, and uh, and 13-0 in the UFC. And uh, it's hard for me to recall him losing like multiple minutes other than some big shots in the Covington fight.
3: Yeah, no. Look, look what what you gotta like about Camaro at this point. He's had moments where he looked like he was possibly going to lose, and again, that's where I go back. He finds a way to win. He's definitely got the mindset of a champion. You could see it. He's got, and he's got the physical attributes to back it up. But I love this guy's mindset. Uh, he did not look good in that first round. I'm, a, I agree with Kenny. He lost the first round and he got buckled. I really thought it, it might have been over. He, but he did regroup. And that's all you can ask for a guy. And, again, that goes back to the corner. You're a champion because of the jab. Whether that's even true or not, it doesn't even matter. It's just I want to keep it simple. Yeah. I don't want you to overextend yourself and get into a brawl with this guy who throws heavy. You can yeah. see that heavy and, and erratic. I mean, he's just winging. So I think it was a great job like that. But uh, there's no doubt that Kamaru Usman is there to stay. And he's, uh, you know... I'm switching subjects, but even listening to him talk, where he's like, "People got to start realizing." So, I mean, I don't. This everybody thinks he's great. So, in his, you know, perception is reality. But his perception is that people don't even recognize him. I've never heard that from anybody I've talked to. So that's a that was a little crazy for me to hear that. You know, he feels kind of disrespected somehow because he is a great champion.
1: I I, I absolutely agree with you, Ray. I I do think that um, people don't. It's not like Connor, you know, where where people are going to buy the pay-per-view because Camaro's uh, fighting. And and that's a different thing. But as far as respecting him as a fighter, um, I I think that that actually is a big part of his success in a lot of ways. I think that fuels him uh, and allows him to perform like he does. I think that that nastiness kind of comes out of him and uh, he takes it out on his opponents.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's just funny to hear him say that. I right. but I do agree that a few right. of them and you could even yeah, see 13 and 0
1: in the UFC. You're like, yeah, yeah, right. Right. Well, well, can, right.
3: Yeah, even the intensity when he called out Masvidal, he's just like that. Was the, this he's just disgusted, you know. He just, you know. Now it could be two reasons. It could be, you know, because tomorrow I'm I'm assuming. Uh, he's not the biggest draw for pay-per-view. So why not get a name that you know is going to draw because it means more money? But it seemed like it was beyond that to me. It was, he's really hated, hates this guy because, you know, oh yeah, I, he might be right. I took that fight on six days notice because I haven't, you know, that's an excuse. I go in there, I do whatever I can. I, yeah. only, I lose. Hey, I took the fight on six days notice. You know what I'm saying? So he might be right. He's feeling something, but you're probably right, Kenny. It fuels him, which is a great thing. But to me, it was just interesting what's going on in that guy's mind when yeah. we all think the guy's a great fighter. We're comparing, you know, he's already passed right. GSP's record. Right. You know, I don't know. What else can you say about the guy? Nobody's, I don't, I've never heard anybody criticize him.
0: Right. Well, that's why I think Rogan was caught off guard. And, no, said, yeah, hey, man, the, like, yeah, you, you know, yeah. I, I remember in 2015, after he beat yeah. Haider Hassan, walking up to him and telling him back then, dude, you're going to be the champion, man. You're going to be the champion, you know, oh, yeah. six years ago. So, uh, well, congratulations to Kamara Usman, certainly yeah. Of respect for that man in this space. uh Ray, you have a dog. We're in the business of saving lives here on the Anakin Forum podcast. We save dogs, right. we save hamsters. Right. That's what we're about. So, whole well, question. I didn't know, I didn't know that, but, but thanks for
3: educating me.
0: If you had to pick one active welterweight, I mean, it looks as though it's going to be probably Usman versus masvidal 2. Maybe those guys coach the ultimate fighter. But if you had to send one welterweight in there for them to not take your dog away, to beat right. Kamar Usman, who are you sending in there? I need to
3: know who you believe. And I think you know the answer today. WB? Of course. Of course. Yeah. That's the guy. Why is he not fought yet? That's a nightmare well, matchup.
0: No, and, and he has the momentum right now. Yeah, and the, why not? In his last fight. No, I'm, hey, no argument for me. And no, no, James I know. White, in a lot of respects, loves a meritocracy, and I think he would be able to make a championship case for Wonderboy right now as well. Absolutely. But you think stylistically that's a very interesting matchup, and a lot of fans agree. Uh, listen stylistically
3: wonder is a nightmare for anybody everybody, you know? everybody yeah <laughs> it really doesn't matter you know what i mean like he could get taken down in the first four rounds right and kick you in the head in the fifth round like, <laughs> right right he's always going to have that ability to get you out of there and he is tricky uh you know and i i'd love to see that fight i really would and i think uh you know look two nice guys too no animosity between look at wonder boy right. he's, you- Right. You know, he calls, right. Yeah, you know, you feel like you're getting called out like it's I know, done a, I you know, know. nice, professional, professional yeah. way. Like, I think that guy could get away with anything. I, I don't think I've ever heard him talk negative about anybody. And honestly, I think WB would just love to have the chance at him just to see yeah. where he's at. I, you know, yeah. I think that's who he is.
0: I think the number one goal and we're going to be joined by Bilal Muhammad here in about 10 minutes has to be to try to get this division moving forward. You know, because just go look at the rankings and how many guys are uh, are deserving of big fights right now. So I think the best case scenario, regardless of who you think it's going to be, is to try to turn this division around in three or four months. But if you, they no, go with the reality TV show, then it's not going to go in that direction. Go ahead, Ray.
3: I, I know you're friends with Bilal. I, I don't really, I don't really think I know. him, But what a what a tough, gutsy fight that was. Man, oh. his leg kicked off. That guy is a tough. That's a grinder, man. That guy is in your face. Maybe not the prettiest guy to look at, but hats off to him, man. He overcame yeah. overcome. Those kicks suck.
0: Can I ask you a question about these kicks? And I want to yeah. ask both of you this question. So we'll start with Ray, and then uh, we'll get an answer from Ken Flo as well. Bilal Muhammad in his post-scrum or whatever interview after the fight talked about these calf kicks. And, you know, when you're in training, you got shin pads on, and they kind of are what they are. But it seems to me, based upon his comments and based to everything that I've heard and tried to listen to over the past year plus, there's not really a great way to condition yourself. It's going to come down to some toughness in there as it's happening, the extent to which the opponent's able to land right on that muscle, uh, and if they get one really on that sweet spot that completely takes your leg out from a nerve standpoint. But it would seem to me that... There's not really so much you can do in training to try to prevent this weapon from becoming a real problem in the fight.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, John, the only thing, honestly, and uh Kenny, you could, uh, we never really had this back in the day. I don't think. Right. I mean, like if that happened in sparring, you'd say, you'd call the guy a doofus. Right. Kick the What are you kicking the guy in the ankle for? You know, like, it would be like, it, it wouldn't even, you would actually probably yell at the guy. Like it'd be like kicking a guy in yeah. the balls. You know what I mean? Like, Um, but you have to keep moving, man. That's the the thing. The guys that stand in front of you and they plod and they're heavy on that leg, they're in trouble, you know? So the constant movement, the side to side movement, the in and out, don't give the guy the chance to set up is at least a start, right? That's at least a start. And that's what you got to work in spawn. You have to have a guy literally trying to kick in. You got to get that leg out of the way, either with movement or, you know, I, I call it a different type of footwork, but moving the leg back and then coming back in again. But it's it's not easy. It's easier said than done. I don't look, it's like, how are you going to condition your head, bang it against a heavy bag? Like there's no conditioning for this. Right. <laughs> Kenny, like I'm going to get my head tough. I just thought bang exactly. it the heavy bag, what are you going to do? That nerve is 100%. so exposed down there. I'm surprised it took this long to figure that out, you know, but I guess it, you know, it took a sport like MMA where everything goes, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, Kenny, what do you think? And the other thing is, look at Felder. He walked through 50 of those. How the frick that guy did it? I don't understand, but he's got I'm sure it's part fit the way your body is structured. Uh and I'm sure it's part mental how you could overcome, you know, the pain and just push through it till the end of the fight. No question. Listen, you look at Bilal
1: and you look at the way he fights. That is a dude is just, you know, mentally different than other people. Um, and, you know, you, we've seen other fighters, excellent fighters, technically superior to a guy like Bilal, but they get kicked in the leg. And now the fight is essentially over, right? And they just don't have that mental fortitude to push through. But like Ray said... The, the way you 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 deal with the calf kick is you move don't don't get hit by yeah, it because literally yeah. it could take one, one calf right. kick one. to change the whole fight that's how devastating it is you know when the quad you, you have a yeah. lot more muscle you know and it kind of feels like you got a charlie horse and then you get kicked again and again at least the muscle kind of you know can it can kind of dissipate that that hemorrhaging or whatever's going on in there but in the calf kick you get kicked on that peroneal nerve and Dude, you can't step your foot on the ground. You know, we right. saw that Henry Cejudo where, you know, he kept kind of stepping. Michael Chandler, we saw that outside of oh, the man, organization brutal. where he kept like, you know, stepping on his ankle because he could But those guys pushed through somehow. And, yeah. you know, it, it's the same thing when you see a guy who's hurt, who is able to come back or at least fight on. And other people are just like, yeah, I've had enough. and And it really does come
3: down to that mindset. Yeah, look, John. You can't hurt what you can't hit, right? So it's the same thing. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. You're, you're, like you might have not might might not have the best chin. Guess what? You move your head. That's right. Your defense. You start getting out of the way. You evade yeah. punches. You don't put yeah. your hand on the end of them. And that's going to be the same thing with this. Whether you're going to have to switch up your stance, switch up your footwork. That's where we're heading, for, without a doubt.
0: This was the most interesting thing to come out of any of our fighter meetings, and Ken Flo, I think you might find this particularly interesting. So Jim Miller didn't get a chance to fight Bobby Green this weekend, right? But in our fighter meeting, Jim Miller, I asked him about the calf kick because of Poirier and McGregor and the success that he had against Dustin in 2017. So Jim Miller first went to employ the calf kick in 2012 when he was preparing for Nathan Diaz, okay? And he used it in that fight. And then he was going to use it again in the Joe Lozon fight. He used it in the Lozon fight and injured his shin doing it and the shin injury literally stayed with him for three fucking years right so when you saw him in 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 fights thereafter he's like the reason i wasn't throwing low leg kicks is because when you're throwing it you're exposing potentially your own knee your oh. own ankle your oh, own toes yeah, was, right yeah. to suffer any sort of injuries so you never know what a fighter is dealing with going in but sometimes if you see a fighter not employing that weapon offensively you know there could be hell to pay on that side too
3: yeah and uh, two things yeah, two things to that too is that uh, one you you mentioned something in sparring. I've seen guys get hurt in sparring with the shin guards on, where their yeah, leg is ripped right, up. Right, you know what I mean. And uh, like Jim Miller says, like everybody thinks, like you know, like Thai boxing, your guy, you know, so you you throw a kick and the guy checks, he's the guy that's hurting, or you know, or you everybody's hurting. Yeah, they right, that right. desensitize that shin, and they're yeah. still icing the shin after the fight. You know, it's not. Yeah nothing's for free on either side right kenny i mean it's absolutely. like absolutely i i tell the story when i fought jose
1: aldo i've told this before but, but he kicked me in the inside of my leg which you know i always thought it wasn't a big deal i lost nerve sensation in my leg for like a year it was dead no, no, it's like, i had no deal. feeling in my leg for yeah. like a year dude <laughs> it's just like he may have kicked me like four or five times but it felt you know different <laughs> no it's good it's,
0: it's crazy man yeah. you know Bilal also said uh, in his little scrum there that uh, that if you take one practice, you know, you can miss the next two days of practice. You know, that's the yeah, thing. Right. So you have to be real careful uh, trying to maximize and get all those practices in. All right. 19 more sleeps until Pyotr Jan uh, versus Main Sterling. Does it make you anxious or nervous or your heart skip a beat when I say that or does it just
3: get you excited? Yes, it, yes does. it does. So what, so talk to me
0: talk to me you got a hot microphone talk to
3: me <laughs> very excited man you know Aljo's in vegas now when he left here he looked great a very happy where he was i even told him take a couple of days off i think you know i didn't want him to peak too soon because when he left here i was like dude we're ready to go in like 10 days from here like that was it so pull back a little bit and then just keep that cardio going because his mind's in the right spot. He looks great. Uh, you know, I'll get out there about 10 days before, nine days, whatever the heck it is. And hopefully uh, he's got all the guys from the gym with him. He's got Nick Sick, you know, looking after him. So I feel good. I don't, I don't I just I'm just really excited. And now Joe's just a unique cat, man. I don't you know. You don't know what he's going to do, but uh, it's going to be a great fight that I can guarantee you. So interesting. It's so yeah. interesting, especially with
0: Corey Sandhagen lurking, right? Because uh
3: Sandhagen Sandhagen's a major problem. He really
0: is a major problem, and so is Piotr Jan. I'm so excited for that fight and the opportunity for Aljo Raymond. Do you know the betting line as yet?
3: No, I would think that's got to be pretty close to It is. Aljo part.
0: right now where I place my bets is an even money underdog and uh that would have Piotr Jan as a slight favorite. So, I think
3: uh, that's accurate.
0: Yeah. Kemflo's nodding his head as if to say he might be wagering on one side or the other, but you'll have to wait uh, until the first week of March to get Kemflo's pick here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right. Anything else before we let you go? Anything else on the tip uh, of your tongue? Alexa Grasso, Kelvin Gastelum, Ricky Simone, Julian, the Cuban Missile Crisis,
3: Marquez. What a come from behind victory that was. Another Krause... Hats off to James Krause, man. He got that guy motivated, and he yeah. got that job done in the third. I love seeing that shit, man. I really do, because he was losing that fight. And uh, wow, what a victory that was. Really, really good stuff. I mean, yeah. it was a, a lot of good, interesting fights, I thought. I liked yeah. everything. But, uh, you know, I just thought of some Before I go, man, I want to everybody say a prayer for uh, Vinny Pecora. Great friend. It's Chris Weidman's father-in-law. He was hit by a car out in front of the gym. Was an accident, but he's not doing good. He's in bad shape. So praise to Vinny. Big MMA fan. Was a big part of the gym. Everybody loved him. Uh, the guy was a character, man. I just hope he's okay. And uh, we'll know within the next couple of days. But just keep, everybody keep uh, Vinny Pacor in your hearts. One of the good guys. Vietnam vet. Did a couple of tours. I think he even did a tour. So his brother didn't have to go. He's that guy. You wow. know what I mean? So tough motherfucker, man. And I hope he pulls through.
0: Very nice of you to shout him out on the way out, Vinny. Thanks, Ray. Hey, appreciate it, buddy. And uh, hey, thanks for the extended time today, man. Hair looks good.
3: I mean, do you really not wash it? A oh, 100%. That's true. I mean, when I say not wash it, maybe twice a year. Is that, you know? Right. right. Maybe. I don't know. Right. Even- <laughs> this is the single, it's Kenny. Don't wash your hair, you'll have it forever. That's the bottom line. That's what everyone really, that's
1: that's what everyone says. It's just hot water, you scrub, you scratch your hair and you're good, right? That's what that's what everyone even, says.
3: Not even hot water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it. even
1: get the touch rays
3: hair. Guys, <laughs> you guys made my Monday morning, man. This is fun. I will uh I like this live platform too.
0: No, it's fun. And and it will be even more live next week. Rest assured. Wow. Shares. Even Maybe. more live. Yeah.
3: Be more well, live this is technically this. <laughs> live
0: to tape. This is technically live to tape. We we tape it live, but we put it on tape. And next week it's just going to be live. So so take our call. Live. Take our you
3: call. Tape, huh? You ruined my whole day. I thought this was. <laughs> cool. yeah, I got to go. I can't take You're any. You're right. You're it way. Way. Take it easy, guys. Have a great Thanks, day. Ray. See you
0: next there week. He is, the Ray Longo I- Minute. Every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast, I find this calf kick thing fascinating. If you can't tell Ken Flo, because you really, the Jim Miller thing, it just struck me. It's like, Hey, this might be a good way to attack Nate Diaz. And then I'll maybe we'll use it a little bit against Joe. And the next thing you know, Jim Miller's literally paying for, for it for like three years of his career, you know, Dude.
1: It's at the end of the day, it's bone on bone contact. That's not good. It's like, let me just smash my body into another body, you know, like you do in football. There's repercussions for that. You're literally smashing your skeleton into another man's skeleton. I mean, shit's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Got a lot of respect for you fighters. (laughs) A lot of respect for you fighters. Toughest (laughs) human beings on the planet. Speaking of which, let us get to the star of this channel's Remember the Show video podcast, UFC Welterweight Contender. Bala Muhammad. And we are now joined by the man. I wonder if he's had any food yet. <laughs> Bala Muhammad with another big win. That's four in a row if you're keeping track at home. Eight of nine in the UFC's welterweight division. It's good to see you, man. I didn't get to see you uh, after the fight in Vegas, but congratulations on a big W, man. You back home safe. Everything good?
2: Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, uh, back home, back in Chicago. Literally, it's another blizzard outside right now. Like, hate him. I'm like, dude, I should have just stayed in Vegas the extra week. I was like... <laughs> I was telling myself I was, and then I was like, I didn't pull the trigger, you know. After the fight, like I just want to go home, see the family and stuff like that. But man, looking at the outside right now, like I got to go shovel. I'm like, dude, I hate my life.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I was loving your professional life over the weekend, and you know, here we couldn't be happier for you. Obviously, <laughs> have you watched back the performance? And if so, uh, what were your thoughts on those 15 minutes with Diego Lima?
2: Yeah, yeah, I I'll always back the performance. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do uh, worked out, but uh, you know, there was a lot of openings that that I left that I should have uh, attacked more. Where um, I started uh, after the first round, I, I stopped attacking the body. I should have went to the body a lot more. I feel like in the third round, if I went to the body more, uh, I could have dropped them and finished them, I feel like. Um, and then a couple of the takedowns I was going for, uh, like I didn't fully commit to them. They were just just to to do it to give them something to think about. And then back to striking, I was getting too comfortable striking. I got to get to in the of zone of. Once I take, if I would have taken them down, I think I would have finished him pretty easily.
0: So I watched some of the stuff you did media wise after the fight, and you were asked about the calf kicks. And I guess my question would be how much of it is just physical and mental toughness in the fight. Uh, and how much of it is maybe decent genetics and how much of it was maybe his inability to hit you right flush on the muscle.
2: Uh, man, I think a lot of it was just being like mentally tough. It was one of those where, it was landing, it was hurting, but I was like, it was more of those just pissing me off. And I was like, I'm just going to hit that guy in the heart. Like, the whole time, because I was like, I train with a lot of, like, kickboxers, and I'm asking them, like, so what's the beta, what's the best way to check the calf kick? And, you know, like, obviously, you're, every gym is thinking about training, and every coach thinks, oh, you can check it, but you it's you really can't check it. Every single one of the guys, best kickboxers I know, they're like, move out of the way of it. Like, avoid it, don't get hit by it. Like, uh, back out a little bit, shuffle back out. but. um uh, for this fight, I was uh like I, I sit there and I watched a lot of tapes, uh, fight week not of not of my opponent, but uh, just a fight, uh, of fighters that I like, and then uh, a couple of fights that I was watching a lot of uh, pressure fighters was uh Chael Sonnen against Nate Marquardt, If you guys ever watched that, Chael Sonnen just stayed in his face the whole time, and then Khabib against Barbosa, and because Barbosa is a big kicker too, and I just wanted to see what Khabib did against him. He just stayed in his face, so that was my plan for this fight, just staying in his face, being within. Uh, I want to smell his breath. That was, that was my uh goal, and, yeah. and you know, with those calf kicks, they were hurting. Him, but it was like one of those like I'm not gonna show him it hurts. I want to stay in his face the whole time. I don't really care. Let it hurt. I'll wait till after the fight. I'm icing right now, so I don't really care right now. Yeah, right. The, the pain is good right now.
0: My man, Ken Flo, I'll send it over to you, but it's kind of interesting to hear a fighter talking about just watching film that isn't related to your fight per se, but that could be applicable in your fight. You hear a lot of guys talk about film study. You don't hear a lot of guys talk about maybe watching a fight of a pressure fighter before trying to employ that style, you know?
1: Uh, absolutely. I-, I think the best martial artists, the best fighters, the best athletes are the best watchers are the people that are out there looking at what's working, what's not, how can I integrate this? Does it work for me? Does it work for my game? Does it work against my opponent? So bro, that, that's great to hear, man. Um, you know, what are some of your, your, your favorite fighters that you, that you like to watch?
2: Uh, man, uh, a lot of the fighters that I like to watch are based off the the fights that, that I go against. So like, I'll look at a couple of my opponents and I'd be like who fights like them, but, uh, better than them. So, yeah. uh, uh, my last fight when I fought Lyman Good, I, I know that I, I didn't want to stay in the pocket with him. So, like, um, I watched a lot of beat, how he always switches stances to get you thinking. I watched beat against Calvin Cater, because Calvin Cater is a kind of like a, a Lyman Good where he, he throws bombs at you. And I, I, le- I wanted to see what he did against him. Um, a fighter that I love watching now is Corey Sanhagen, man. The way he moves is just a whole different style. And I try to implement that in my game. Where I, a lot of people, with, where I was switching stances a lot, but it wasn't because of the calf kick. I was just like... I'm trying to put that in my game now where it just, like, changes it up. And it surprises you a lot of the time, too, when a guy's switching stances on you. And you're like, oh, wait, is he southpaw or is he not? And I'm just trying to get more comfortable doing that. And uh, just always evolving, trying to get be a different fighter from my last fight.
1: I definitely saw that this fight around, man. Um, and, and you've been Mr. Consistency lately as well. Do you see another opponent for, for yourself in the future? Is there a guy that you say, like, this is who I want to fight now that you're kind of climbing up the rankings a little bit?
2: Yeah, um, like honestly, I called out the leash, but I really had nothing against him. But like a lot of people were telling me, man, you against Magni would be great. And I'm like, dude, that's a, that would be a great fight. I think that would be an awesome fight. Um, we're both at that uh, them guys that break guys with cardio a lot of the time. And we both do high volume. I think it'll be a, a fun fight. I know he's coming off a loss, but he's still ranked number nine. Right. And he has a lot of big names on his uh, record. So uh, I think that would be an awesome fight for me too. I think that would be a, a good one. And then, honestly, like uh, like a fighter that I respect a lot, and it would be a great fight, but I don't know if like he would want to do it as his last fight, is Damian Maia. Uh, oh. I, I always wanted to go against... A, a, I really haven't gone against a grappler at the UFC. Uh, a lot right. of the guys I go against are strikers, and I I just want to test myself against the best. And, I, and A lot of people haven't seen my uh, grappling, and I want to show it. So I want to show that I can compete with the best guys because you got Kamar Usman as the, the champ right now, and he's mostly known as a grappler, even though he got a knockout, but uh, competing against a guy like Maya and proving myself against him, it's going to get me prepared for that title fight.
0: I, I really thought it was a smart call-out, the leech Lee Jing Leung, because when I looked at the rankings this morning, you have to make a realistic call-out, right? See, I think Michael Chiesa, for example, makes a lot of sense, but he's going after Colby Covington. He's going after numbers, you know, two and three, and you could do that too. I mean, you could have called out Colby, right? But I think yeah. for you, maybe one win away from getting a top six guy or something the schedule aligns with the leech. You're both on winning streaks, So I think when you look at the rankings on the surface, people could say, why is 13 calling out 12? But it's like, Hey man, you got to try to get a fight that's actually
2: bookable. And I think that one is in three months, you know? Yeah, exactly. That one. And like, it makes the most sense. They're going to Singapore and I'm like sitting there looking at it. Like, uh, I don't want to, I could sit there and call out Kobe and make, try to make a scene and try to get, uh, you know, views from, uh, uh, the Twitter and stuff like that, but it's right. not gonna be like all right. my boys are like, oh, call out Nadia, say Midwest gangster against West Coast gang, and I'm like, dude, like <laughs> Nadia's not gonna accept my fight, like that ain't, that ain't that ain't gonna happen. So like like you said, once you get that moment, like everybody's watching, that's on ESPN. Yo, know, qualify that makes sense, and it doesn't have to be like the leech. I'm gonna kill you, you loser. Yo, hey, you're 12, I'm 13, let's
3: do it.
0: I absolutely love it, man. Well, we're so happy for you. I mean, were you feeling the love? Were you feeling how many people were able to watch your fight in, in sort of that prime slot on ESPN? Did you feel the love this weekend?
2: Yeah, honestly, you know, like a lot of people were like upset, like, oh, all these fights getting cast in a pay view put me out of pay view I'm like, I'd rather be on ESPN. I, I was like, there's going to be a lot more eyes on ESPN. And uh, it's funny because uh, Zane, uh, that, uh, the singer from uh, One Direction, I didn't even know who that was, but uh, Megan Levy was like, I did an interview with her. She's like, oh, Zane tweeted about you. And I'm like, right. oh, no, no way. And I'm like, yeah. and then I like, I walked out of the room like, man, who's Zane? And then yeah. I, I look at my phone and my sister texts me like, oh my God, Zane. Yeah. I was like, it's cool. You know, just having like stars like that or other people from different uh avenues, like tweeting about you. And it just shows that, you know, I'm getting the right attention.
0: Our producer Zach Candido got in my ear. He's like, dude, you got to acknowledge that tweet. I'm like, dude, I don't know who that guy is, man. I don't know what you want me to say. But I think they did put the tweet on the air at least. So uh hey, I'm not sure if I heard you cuss for the first time, but I do know that you absorbed an eye poke that was pretty bad. But thankfully you were able to recover. But one of those seemed to really bother you at least for a while, but then maybe within a minute it got better. Yes?
2: Yeah. I, like literally I had I had like so many people text me the video of it, like. You
1: swore! <laughs> you
2: swore. And i was like, because I never cursed at all. And I was like, it was just making me mad because like he did it early. And then like, you know, you, you just see guys like uh Nick Lentz who just retired from it, uh eye poking. Like I'm very big about guys, but I train with them. Like if you're if you're one of those guys put your fingers out, I'm not gonna train with you, I'm not gonna spar with you. I I don't want to take a chance of something stupid, like a big injury or something like that happening, because that like my eye like eyes are very important, you know. Uh, and then like, he kept doing it and I was like, bro, like if it happens again, I'm going to go, I'm going to go nuts. And then, um, that second time, like it was an eye poke, but then I was like, I know I'm breaking this guy. So like, I was like, I was, it was still blurry, but I'm like, yo, I got to get right back into it. I can't, I can't let this guy catch a break. Cause the first time I did it, he did it. Um, I was like checking my eye and then like, I saw him walking over towards his corner and like he was talking to his corner a little bit, but I'm like, yo, I, I can't give him any time to rest. I haven't met his breaking point. This is the third round. I gotta get right back in there. So like I was like, I got one, I got one good eye right now. I'm just gonna go out there and stay in his face again.
0: And how's the eye right now? I mean, you look like you don't have much of a scratch on you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. But yeah. uh, think everything's clean right now. My ankle and uh calf is pretty uh uh swollen right now, but nothing, a little uh snow can't help.
0: All right, we yeah, that's right. You got that snow. That's uh I guess that's a good way to lean into the positive art. Right. A few rapid fire questions here on the way out with Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. All right. So other than yourself, if you had, this is our poll question this week. If you had to pick one active welterweight and you can't pick yourself, I mean, obviously, you know, I'd be sending you in there. If I had to save a hamster's life and I had to send one welterweight in there to beat Kamar Usman, you know, I'm sending Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. But if you had to pick one guy sort of, of the mix of Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, Gilbert Burns, or Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Those are five guys who are maybe most likely to get Usman next. Like, Who do you think has the best chance to actually beat this monster?
2: Honestly, I uh, the most difficult guy, I think, is Wonderboy. You know, his style uh, is just so, like, it's weird. Like, I think feel, feel like the only way you could beat him is the Woodley way where you just wait and it's, it's kind of like a boring fight. Or, uh, I mean, I know he lost to Matt Brown, but that was early. But I think that, you know, his style is just so difficult to, to fight against, it, I feel like. Everybody else really has a style that uh Usman has seen a little bit more. He like he's fought those guys a lot, but he really hasn't fought a guy like Wonder Boy who's yeah. kind of boxing is just on another level. I think that's the hardest guy.
0: Have you worked out since the fight? Please tell me you have not worked out since
2: the fight. <laughs> I was literally, we were in the back at the apex and I was like, oh, after the fight we have to come back here and lift weights, uh just to act like we're working out right away. And then uh but they took us out <laughs> right away. But I was like, nah. I was looking at, I want to go get a swim and I told Paul Felder, I'm like, my cardio felt on another level. Because usually I, was, I would always swim for camps, but I was always like swimming half a mile. And then when Paul Felder was on his triathlon and stuff, I was seeing him post miles. And they were all on uh, like the same workout thing program where you see what the other guy's doing. And I'm like, oh, you worked, you, you swam miles today? So then this whole camp, I was swimming miles. And then my cardio was on another level. I like felt so good. I told him, man, I need to upset up some more.
0: So I don't ask you that question in this context of Leon Edwards, but I just think in this COVID-19 climate, it's very interesting. And if Leon wants to stay on that March 13th show, I mean, that's unrealistic for you, I would think because of the calf, you know, but I don't know, man. I just think that I think the Lee-Jing-Leong fight is so realistic for you, but I don't know, man. I just think that you better be careful you don't get a call in a week saying Leon needs somebody with a number on March 13th in a main event.
2: Uh, I was literally thinking about that one, too. I like that one, too. And I like just to have a main event slot. Like, I, I sat there. I tell people, I'm a, I'm a five-round fighter. Right. Uh, uh, but like you said, I want to see how this cap works out. Right. Hopefully, it's better soon. But, like, like in shape-wise, other health-wise, like, I feel, like, perfect right now. And I'm good. at, And I like that matchup. He's been out a while. And if you really think about it, like, he's on a big streak. But, like, he hasn't really beat nobody nuts like world man this guy's a monster he's killing all these guys with ease like it's it's very winnable fight for me and i like it a lot
0: well and i think for him if you look at the upside right that you've won four in a row for him to be able to add a scalp like Bilal muhammad to his resume as he builds a, a championship path you know so i don't know just throwing it out there but uh of course the timing probably doesn't align the way you're and the leeches will uh have you booked the guests for uh thursday's remember the show yet
2: I was just talking to my brother. I think I'm gonna, it's going to have to be a fan show. My brother's like, what about DC? I was like, yo, I got to get in contact with them first. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do a fan show just to get like, the fans more involved in it uh, this week. And then next week, be back on with uh, getting my guests going.
0: Well, if you ever need help getting in touch with DC, uh, I will FaceTime that motherfucker on your behalf anytime you need me to. And maybe we'll get you Joe Rogan one day, you know, maybe uh, we'll I'm get, get you Joe Rogan.
2: My, liter- my literal plan was uh, after the post-fight interview was to tell Joe Rogan, my call out's for you to come on my show. <laughs> and I joke, I messed up.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious that you were thinking about doing that because that actually might have gotten him on the show if you put him on the spot on ESPN in front of millions, but uh, yeah, we'll choked. see what we can do. Hey, uh, it's great to catch up with you. Hey, before I let you go, my last rapid-fire question. What's your favorite sports team? I mean, do you have one of these Chicago teams that you root for more than the others or no?
2: Uh, I love the Bulls, man. Basketball is my my first love. love. I love basketball, so Bulls. All right.
0: Chicago Bulls fan. Hey, congratulations, man. We appreciate the time and uh, we hope you heal up and uh, we look forward to Thursday's episode. Remember the show right here on the Anakin Florin podcast, YouTube channel. And uh, Hey man, seeing you rock those AF letters during your fight week. Uh, we made the right choice in terms of, uh, of you and aligning with you. And, and, and again, we couldn't be happier for you. So enjoy the W man. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you soon, sir. All
2: right, fellas. There
0: he Congrats, is. Dude. UFC welterweight contender Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. What a good dude!
1: Pretty he's insightful
0: awesome, stuff too, in terms of that that film study. You know, uh, and it also is very interesting when you think about preparation from one fight to the next. You fight Lyman Good, you're trying to avoid the pocket at all costs. You fight Diego Lima, right. and literally, you're trying to smell his breath. You
1: know, he, he's a student of the game, man. And again, you could definitely see that. Uh, He's a smart guy. He's been preparing well and uh, it's obviously paying off. He really has been Mr. Consistency.
0: Hey, before we get to Ian Parker and the main event challenge, we have a couple minutes here. I wanted to shout out Kelvin Gastelum because such a big pressure spot for him can flow with the back to back to back losses being winless since 2018. And uh, he was so competitive in that fight in a lot of respects with Israel Adesanya not all that long ago. And he he felt like he was competing for his job. So I wanted to at least acknowledge KG and and for Alexa Grasso to perform this way against Macy Barber and to bank two rounds like that. Uh, I'm just so happy for her um, because she has seemingly done everything the right way except for being in the wrong weight class maybe for too long. And, right. you know, she can lift weights now. And I'm just excited to see if she can really take this thing to the next level.
1: I thought Grasso uh, performed beautifully. I think she is a much, much, much improved grappler. You could see that against Macy Barber. Uh, Macy just seemed like she was just all over the place. Grasso looked like a true professional out there, and uh, you could see the experience advantage and just how clean her technique looked. Uh, and for Kelvin, that was the most motivated I've seen him. Like he had that look in his eyes. Um, which seemed like he really wanted to be there and really wanted to fight. And that was a very motivated Ian Heinish, by the way, as well. Yes. Uh, and a tough matchup stylistically uh, from the outside looking in for Kelvin. But Kelvin did a great job of outwrestling Ian uh, and just uh, winning many of the exchanges. So great job by Kelvin. Good to see a good guy like that back on track.
0: And you said on our podcast last week you were going to get a real good lens into his future in terms of the championship desire yes. and hunger. I don't know if you watch my media scrum in Vegas, but, of course, I was shouting out my man,
2: Ken Flo. <laughs> yes. Long. Yes. You can I'm see still that. the
0: president of Team Florian. So, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and Ricky Simone, is that not the most watchable fighter in mixed martial arts? It's amazing to me that he can sustain offense like this. I mean, he is yeah. the energizer bunny. I mean, Rob Dwalish willie comes to mind, of course, anytime we have that conversation. And Brian Kelleher is an offensive guy in his own right. But, dude, Ricky fucking Simone, man. It's like I can't wait to see him in a five-round setting, you know? Yeah, dude, he, he's nonstop,
1: and he, he really is. He's pretty fearless. I mean, even the techniques that he throws he, against a dangerous guy like Kelleher. I mean, the, the double up elbow coming forward. Yeah. You know, looking for it, it. He's always trying to do something. He's always trying to take you down, throw a different strike that he didn't throw before. Uh, He's a tough guy to deal with, man. I thought it was a a really good performance from him.
0: A great card all around. And uh, I don't know if you saw Anthony Fluffy Hernandez submitting uh, the seven-time Abu Dhabi champion, Hadolfo Vieira. Doesn't feel like a submission to me. I mean, of course it's the sub over the guy, okay? But it's mixed martial arts. I mean, the dude's bloodied and concussed when you submit him. But what a a performance. What a what a career changer for Anthony Hernandez. Well, well,
1: John, I, I think you nailed it, man. Uh, he he defeated him mentally first, right? It was like uh, Vieira just couldn't get anything going that night. Uh, I mean, a little bit here and there, but Hernandez was just tagging him. He was beating him up. Uh, he was dictating for the most part where the fight went, and he was surviving, you know, all the attacks of Vieira. And I think Vieira just he he just lost his his mental focus out there and kind of just quit on himself a little bit. Um, and he—it showed that he still has a lot of work to do. He still has, you know, a lot of experience to gain in regards to the striking. He was just kind of trading. He wasn't trying to set anything up, uh, and even on the grappling, he just looked confused and out of it and tired. I was really confused by the performance. Hadolfo is recognized as, you know, by many to be one of the best uh, jiu-jitsu practitioners in the last several years, uh, as far as you know. You look at his competition uh, record and his pedigree. Uh, but that night, I mean, he, he was submitted by a guy that, um, probably didn't deserve to be on the mat with him. Uh, and it just goes to show you mixed martial arts is a completely different well, animal. Right, right. And, um, you know, uh, just like Carlson Gracie said back in the day, you know, you, you hit a black belt a few times, they become a brown belt, then become a purple belt, right. then become right. a blue belt. Right, right. And he was, he was beating him up. He was beating him down to size. Yeah.
0: Anthony Hernandez, complete fighter, comes from a great gym. Shout out to uh, to Jim West and MMA Gold. And I'm really excited to see him spin it forward because this is a huge confidence builder. And he seemed to know that this was going to happen. He was talking about the submission. I wish he had probably bet on himself at 30 to 1 to beat the guy by submission. but uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable when you sort of dive in when you're preparing for a guy like Adolfo Vieta in terms of the jiu-jitsu credentials, and uh, you know, other than that dude Buchecha, I believe he has been fired. Buchecha,
1: yes, yeah, exactly.
0: yeah, 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 it was close, close. close you you say you, you had Vienna. You're saying Vienna better than yeah, I do, though. Yeah. That's perfect. All right, all right. Well, uh, that's it on UFC 258. Appreciate the back and forth from everybody on social media. Good stuff from uh, Longo, but we got to make some selections because the UFC has a 15 fighter. Coming up on Saturday night from the UFC Apex, you can see it live on ESPN+. Plus. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is
2: most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: All right, I'm going to update the standings here off the top, but I feel like we got to start honoring some of these punishments if i'm going to even bother to have our great intern casey williams update the standings but ken flo and yanni the greek tied 4-4 that means team florian maintains control of the board which means ian parker will lead on the main event 13 to 12 is the lead for team florian we come up on ufc fight night blades versus lewis this is an obnoxious 15 fighter from the apex saturday on ESPN Plus. Six main card selections for you today, and the duck Ian Parker is here to make them. Ian is live on social media. Well, not live, I should say, but he's there at Ian Parker MMA. That's a beautiful uh, filter behind you for your backdrop as usual. It's nice to see you, buddy. Nice little
4: kitchen shade. Thank you. Oh, is that what that
0: is? I always thought it was like a special filter because you have this uh, estate in Florida and I... (laughs) It was like he probably has an air conditioning filter that takes up an entire wall. So okay, so that's a window. <laughs> yeah,
4: it's. Uh, I'm in the kitchen. Behind me is a is a giant window with a glare. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it, if I was gonna do a filter, don't you think I would have been like more creative? Would have put a picture of you and Kenny behind me, and like me like this, like superposed, yeah. like I'm actually wanted, you know, something like that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right,
0: well, let us uh, make some picks because there are a whole lot of them. I mean, I pulled up that fight card last night, and I was like, man, where are we gonna uh, where are we gonna begin and end this thing? But we're gonna start at heavyweight. England's Tom Aspinall minus two forty five against the ageless Andre <laughs> Arlovsky, who is plus two oh five. Thirty fourth UFC appearance for Andre Arlovsky, and he's not just trotting out there getting a six-figure paycheck can't flow he's won two straight three or four Ian Parker the big question for you is any value on the pit bull in that plus 200 range or do you like Tom
4: Aspinall I keep picking against Andre Arlovsky and he keeps winning but I, I just think this one might be a little t- I keep saying the same thing if he fights a prospect this is going to be too much for him I think Aspinall is the real deal especially in this weight class I think the speed is going to be a factor uh you know, then again, Arlovsky's been fighting really well, but I'm going to go with Aspinall here. I just think too much. Uh, I think Arlovsky is going to see that L. Ken Flo,
0: Tom Aspinall, 6-0 overall, I believe, 2-0 with a couple of finishes in the UFC. What do you think about him here against Andre Orlovsky? You know, to to answer your question from a
1: little bit earlier, I do think there's value uh, in Arlovsky, you know, based on what he's been doing lately. He, he yeah. definitely looks like he wants to be there and he's looking to not just win, but hurt you. However, I, I agree with Ian here. I think Aspinall is the real deal. Um, he looks like a, a tremendous prospect, big guy, but very athletic guy who can move. He could really hurt you on the feet. Um, as long as he doesn't get stupid and just trades with someone like Arlovsky, he's got He's got to pick his places, when to go in, when to get out, uh, and he could certainly do that. Uh, I do see Aspinall winning that fight. All right, next up in
0: middleweight, this fight was canceled on fight day last month on Fight Island due to a non-COVID related injury involving Phil Hawes. Rebooked here against Nasordini Mavov, minus one ten on both sides. Ian, what do you think about this one? You got Imavov out of France, hasn't lost in almost five years, seems to be a pretty well-rounded guy, uh, trains under Fernand Lopez. What do you think about him and and Phil Hawes minus 110 on both sides? I think
4: he's a well-rounded guy. You know, he's shown so far. He's he's legit. I I just, for me, I just feel like there's so much more potential in Phil Hawes. I feel like we've seen when we see Phil Haas, like we keep questioning, oh, is the knockout the real thing? You know, and then then he does it again. I, I just think that Phil Hawes right now is. It's his time. He's been doing this for a while. We've heard a lot of good things about him. And, you know, for me right now, I think it's a close fight. The odds are exactly where they should be for how green they both are in their UFC uh, careers. Uh, There's just something about Hawes. I think there's an it factor there that we still haven't seen him peak. And obviously, as we talk about when he gets these fast knockouts, it's hard to really judge the overall skill. But I think we're going to see that in this one. I don't think it's going to be a fast knockout. So we're going to get a really good picture painted here. And I'm going to lean towards Hawes.
0: Ken Flo, I'm a little distracted because we have an odds ticker now on our show on the video side. If you're listening exclusively, I apologize. But if you check out the YouTube channel for the Anakin Florian podcast, Cody Merrow built a fucking odds ticker for the main event challenge. So I'm a little bit excited. I'm fucking dancing on video right now. An <laughs> odds ticker. Uh, Ken Flo, Nasordini, Mava, Full Haas, minus
1: 110, both ways, which way for you? Dude, you know, I I truly believe that whoever wins this fight, that, you know, an excellent prospect will emerge. I like both of these guys. Um... I think Imovov is an excellent striker, the way he moves, the way he picks his shots, he's clean, he's smart, and I think a little bit more sophisticated striking-wise, but Haas has more power, and I also like the fact that he does have that wrestling background that he can lean on. I do think he needs to use that in his fight. If he relies on his wrestling background and uses his striking to more uh, set up his wrestling, I think he can win this fight. Um, I like Haas here, but I tell you what, don't sleep on Imovov. Both these guys are excellent prospects, but I think Haas is kind of coming into his own now. Um, So let's go with Phil.
0: I love saying that name, Phil Haas. I mean, imagine if there was a UFC fighter with the last name Haas. Ian, you know I love that word Haas. Yeah. Tucker Haas or some shit. Fucking horse knocking him out. All right, heavyweight. Big knife for the heavyweight Ian Chris Dawkis favored at a minus 175 clip to go to 3-0 in the UFC. He takes on Alexi Olenek, who is plus 155. Alexei Olenek, born nearly one month to the day after our guy Ken Flo in the year 1976. 59 professional mixed martial arts wins per topology for Alexio Olenek. Ian Parker, what do you think? Olenek plus 155. Chris Dawkins out of Philadelphia, minus
4: 175. Who do you have? Kenny, you look so much younger than Alexei Olmec. Don't sweat it. <laughs> you look great. Better hairline, oh, better looking. You're good, bro. Um, look, this one is a. I think this is should be a lot closer in the odds that it says. I know Dawkins has gotten a couple of good wins when he was an underdog, I think, in both fights. But there's something about Alexi Olmec in these types of situations that just makes me want to take a shot on him. You know, when we don't expect him to strike, you know, he comes forward, throws hooks, and he and he connects. And then if it goes to the ground, you know where the advantage is going to be. He's still as strong as an ox. Um, I think this is an interesting step up in competition for Dawkins, especially when Olenek was fighting a lot of top guys within the last year. Like, real, I don't want to say drop in competition, but definitely a uh, difference where people are in their careers. I'm going to take a shot on the uh, the underdog here. I'm going to go with Alexi Olenek.
1: All right, Ken Flo, what do you think? Dawkins Olenek. You know, Olenek continues to get better. I think he, he's he been in tremendous shape for a little while, but I do think that Dacus, um is the better fighter, especially on the feet. Uh, he, he has a decent uh, background in grappling as well, where I don't think Olenek is just going to walk through him if the fight goes to the ground either. Uh, and Dacus is is kind of sneaky athletic. You look at him, you're like, oh, this guy, I don't know. But he moves extremely well. He's got sharp hands. Um, I, I think he can win this one. He might be able to finish Olenek as well. Uh, Dacus is, is someone to watch. Don't sleep on him. I like Dacus here. Good stuff.
0: I don't disagree with a lot of that. I certainly believe docus deserves the distinction as the favorite. I know some of our listeners uh, immediately were chiming in on online saying, man, give me that Boa constrictor at plus 155. All right, we'll see. I like the dissension. All right, at featherweight, uh, we'll have Ken Flo lead this one, if you don't mind, my man. Charles Rosa, minus 170. Derek Minner, plus 150. So a little background for you, Flo. It took Derek Minner 34 pro fights to get to the UFC. He gets Grant Dawson in the debut, which was probably short notice. Uh, But then he upsets TJ Laramie with a great finish in his second UFC appearance. Rosa, on the other hand, finally healthy and a good competing schedule. He's had a lot of injuries, a neck injury, uh, but he fought twice last year. What do you think about Rosa here as the favorite against Derek Minner?
1: You know, I, I love uh, Rosa's uh, fighting spirit. He loves to move forward, push the fight on on whoever he faces. Um, hasn't found a lot of success uh, lately. Um, and seems like he's a little bit scrambled as far as, you know, what he wants to do on the ground. He he, he understands that he wants to go for the submission, but I think positionally his game has suffered a little bit. Uh, I, I think on the ground, this should be a pretty competitive fight. I, I think Minter's not bad there either and also kind of has this very very similar style where maybe positionally he, he might not be um, – you know, at, at such a high level, but submission wise, he has some great submissions. So um, I, I do think Derek is probably the better striker, uh, moves a little bit better and can po- pose some problems there for Rosa. But um, I, I don't know, you know, I think if, if Rosa is healthy, he he definitely could, could win the fight and out position uh, Minner, but uh, it, these guys are very evenly matched. It's a great matchup. I, I think I'm leaning towards Minner here.
0: I agree with that Kenny I and not 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 that I agree with the prediction per se but I agree mm-hmm. with the analysis and the betting line so I write down what I think the line is going to be before this exercise and I had that as a pick-em fight so I can understand why you yeah. see value on Derek Most, at plus at yep. 150 Ian we'll spin it to you now so for Charles Rosa he he's alternated wins and losses through eight UFC appearances going for his first UFC winning streak here what do you think about this one at 145 pounds
4: I think Kenny nailed that. Um, You know, Charles Rose, I think, is his own worst enemy. I think he's also, I think he's very confused with his fight style. you got a guy who wants a strike, then he gets to the ground, and sometimes he just gets way too comfortable on his back. And he, he kind of focuses on one submission, even if it's failing, almost as if he's able to hold the guy down long enough to get him tired and try and land that one submission. And... In a three-round fight, you just don't get enough time for that. And a guy like Minner, we just saw him go against a really strong grappler in Laramie. He was a huge underdog. Everyone thought he was going to get you know, destroyed or grinded out, and he came out the winner by a finish. So, yeah, I'm actually surprised at these odds. I think the reason why these odds are the way they are is because Rosa has just fought longer in the UFC, has fought higher-level competition. But I think the odds are way off here, and I think the value is absolutely on Minner. So I'm going to side with Kenny on this one and take the underdog as well.
0: Sounds like the Anakin Florian podcast might move that betting number by the end of the week. Maybe not. Maybe co-main event Ketlin V8 a 260 versus Yana Kunitskaya plus two hundred And we'll need the round, the method, all that stuff. Ketlin V8 is a very good fighter. I watched a little film this morning. I'm lying. I didn't do that, but I did do some, uh, some research. <laughs> ha! She's 11 and one though. I did watch a tiny bit. But, uh, <laughs> then I got distracted. Number six in the world, Yada Kunitskaya is right behind her at number seven. So, divisionally, I think this is a very relevant fight, and I'm excited to see them get the co-main event shine because if you look at this division underneath Amanda Nunes, Aspen Ladd and Juliana Peña are on winning streaks and haven't fought Nunes. Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamy also on winning streaks, but they have fought her. And whoever wins this one is going to be someone who hasn't fought her and is theoretically in the mix. Ian Parker, Kunitskaya plus 220 or Vieta minus 260 for you?
4: I think the line's a little absurd here. I-, I think it's way too distant for the level of these two. Um, but I, I understand kind of why the style of Kunitskaya, did I say it right? She, um, she's more of a clinch fighter. She likes to hold you against the cage and use her knees and outmuscle you. And against Ketlin, I don't see that really happening. She's one of the bigger, stronger girls in the division as well. I think we've seen her power and her striking, uh, her jujitsu game will be better, but getting Yana to the ground is also not that easy. Um, in a straight bet, it's too much to lay in this fight. I would say take the over if the odds aren't too much further off on a betting standpoint. Uh, in a straight pick, though, I think Vier- Ketlin Vieira, however you pronounce her name, we know I'm so good at those. Uh, I would lean towards her. She's just got more tools in the toolbox. She's got more weapons to win this. I think she will have more output with her strikes. I think she'll be able to press forward a little bit more. And As long as she doesn't get held against the cage,
0: yeah. I think it's her fight to win. All right. seems like Ian, though, does like the over two and a half rounds if forced to make a bet on that fight. And I'll give you props for pronouncing Kunitskaya because, Ken, a lot of the Americans respect to you, but they want to go Kunitskaya. They always want to go Kunitskaya. Right. Uh, Yana Kunitskaya, plus 220, huge fight for her. What do you think about the co event, kid?
1: This is a tough matchup for Kunitskaya. I, I think that, um, you know, she likes to do most of her work in the clinch. I don't think she's going to be able to bully someone like Vieira in there. I I think um, she, you know, can, can hang out there and land some strikes, but Vieira is is pretty powerful and knows how to grapple as well. Um, I I like Vieira here. I I think she's a little bit better everywhere.
0: All right. Main event, Ian, we will lead with you. Curtis blades minus three eighty. Derek, the black beast, Lewis, plus 315 or so a lot of different prices out there depending on where you're placing your wagers so these guys have combined to win their last seven a lot of momentum on both sides blades four in a row the black beast three in a row there was a positive covid test that took this fight away so delayed two and a half months not november but february huge fight at heavyweight Ian, who do you like in the main event and how do they get it done
4: yeah you know i i like curtis blades here um i i hate to think that Derek lewis at this point in his career uh the takedown defense hasn't gotten any better it has but we saw in curtis blades versus volkov that he just doesn't stop and he's got the cardio in him to do that for five rounds and i don't think Derek lewis does now Derek can land that punch at any moment and person dies like it's just he's got he's got that power this there's, there's no question the dude's got it uh his ground game, getting up from being taken down, way better. We've definitely seen him become the best white belt, or whatever he calls himself in Texas. You know, he's definitely he's definitely worked on his craft. As much as he's a jokester and he likes to have fun on social media, he takes this seriously. I just think Curtis Blades is going to be too fast, the more athletic guy. And with wrestling in, in your in your back pocket, especially as a heavyweight, and be able to grapple the way he is able to grapple for that long, while having a good striking game, I just think Curtis Blades wins this fight. I don't. I can't think Derek Lewis is going five rounds again unless it's another uh, Francis. You know, no punching fight. That's not going to happen. I think Curtis Blades wins this. I'm going to say third round TKO. Third
0: round TKO for Curtis Blades is the pick to click for Ian Parker. Kenny Curtis Blades gets a lot of respect from the odds makers and professional betters, right? Because he cashes unless he fights Francis and He's getting a lot of respect here. Minus 380, I think, is prohibitive for a lot of bettors like me who are betting 50 bucks a game. You know, uh, it's a huge price. I don't know if I'm asking you if he deserves it or not, but how do you see this main event playing out? And ultimately, we will need a winner. You know, in
1: general, and maybe I'm biased, but I do think this is true that. Uh, it takes way longer to get good at grappling as far as, you know, the sensitivity and the timing, all the repetitions and all the different positions that you need to be able to be good at, um, you know, wrestling and jujitsu is always going to take a long time uh, for, for anybody. So I think that's why we're seeing that big disparity. Um, Blades has been wrestling a long time. I don't see him as a huge submission, a submission threat necessarily, but I do think he could outposition position uh, Derek Lewis, uh, and then utilize that nasty ground grounded pound that he has. So that's the way I see it going down. Absolutely. As Ian said, Derek Lewis can end a fight in an instant. Uh talk about a guy who is sneaky fast and sneaky athletic. Uh he could surprise a lot of good heavyweights out there. I just don't see it happening against someone like Blades. I see a second round TKO for Mr. Blades. All right, both guys like the favorite Curtis Razor Blades. On Twitter, you can find Ian
0: Parker at Ian Parker MMA IP. Before we let you go, our poll question for the show today If you had to pick one active welterweight to beat Kamara Usman, to save a hamster's life or otherwise, who has the best chance to do it? Is it Covington? Is it Leon Edwards, Vidal, Gilbert Burns, Stephen Wunderboy Thompson, or somebody else that I am not
4: mentioning? If you got to send one active guy in there to beat Usman, who do you like? Process of elimination. It's not Burns. Um, Leon Edwards haven't seen him fight in a really long time. I don't know how he bounces back from this layoff. I think he's a great fighter. We we need to see him fight. That's not his fault. Just I gotta see the guy compete. Um, we know Kobe Covington is Uber competitive. We saw that. You know, I don't know if he's gotten so better. Uh how do I explain this? Has he gotten that much better compared to what Usman's done since? Because what we just saw to Kamaru Usman was a different level than what he was before that. And what we saw Colby against Woodley was Colby being uh, being Colby, you know? I, I know it's kind of weird to, like, say, but it, it, the style didn't change much. And I think against Atara Woodley, it's not the same Woodley we think. I'm going to be a little different here, although I think Colby is the easiest pick to choose based on. I'm going to say Stephen Wonderboy Thompson here. And this is why. Uh, he doesn't get knocked out, except for Anthony Pettis in that one shot where he was dominating. I think his style is the one that can keep the distance, use that range, and be a a very bizarre striker for for Usman you know he's yeah. also very hard to take to get taken down and you know for me it's just um styles make fights you know and i think for everyone it's the same thing and i think his style also he has yeah. not fought Usman yet
0: well right and that's an intriguing part of the whole equation yeah. you
4: know do i do i think he's the best wrestler do i think cardio i mean listen cardio he's phenomenal does he have the same output as Kobe Covington no but we saw Usman get pressured very hardcore by Gilbert Burns. That was similar to what Kobe Covington does. And Usman took a shot, fell, yes. got up, handled it, came back and finished the fight as if nothing happened. He made the adjustments. I just think this different of a style and not being taken down so easily, uh, I think Wonder Boy can cause some problems.
0: And again, Ken Flo, Bilal Muhammad, Ray Longo, and Ian Parker, all hamster lovers and all of them looking long and hard at Steven Wonderboy Thompson to be the guy best equipped oh, right wow. now skill wise to beat Kamar Usman more or less. I mean, I think there was some Covington love in there as well, but uh, very interesting stuff. All right, Ian, good, good stuff. We'll talk to you uh, next Monday. If not sooner, be a text buddy. Thanks for the time. You got it guys. All right. That's it for the main event challenge uh, this week. And that's going to do it for the program. Coming to you from this uh, StreamYard platform today. Hope you liked it. But we got a lot of things planned. This platform allows us to do Q and As and and things that bring you in in a more live capacity. And my background is in live radio, in which we had a bank of calls. Sometimes they weren't always lit up, but taking phone calls that's very interesting to me to potentially be able to have some sort of back and forth, not unlike you know, the old MMA live chat that we had on ESPN.com. So good stuff today. A uh, couple programming notes. Remember the show with Bilal Muhammad coming up Thursday on this very channel. Also check out Ken Flo's new YouTube channel as well for more jujitsu and mixed martial arts, grappling content, all sorts of stuff there. Uh, merchandise at Anna Florian podcast.com promo codes and everything else. If you want to get uh, gear for, for Anakin and Florian and remember the show or FNA or any of that stuff. Uh, thank you to our executive producer, Cody Merrick for putting it all together. Our guests, Longo Parker, and of course, Bilal Muhammad. Congrats to Usman and everybody else for Ken Flum, John Anik. Appreciate you watching, listening. Until next week, don't text and drive.